This podcast is brought to you by BMJ Best Practice. BMJ Best Practice offers evidence-based, continually updated and practical knowledge that will help you make better clinical decisions. Hello and welcome to this BMJ Best Practice podcast on congestive heart failure. Kieran Walsh is my name. I'm clinical director at BMJ. Heart failure is a leading cause of morbidity and mortality around the world. The prevalence of heart failure in the Western world is estimated at 1% to 2%, and complications of the disease range from kidney injury to acute decompensation to sudden cardiac death. To tell us about this common and serious disorder, we have on the line Professor Wamik Yusuf, Professor of Medicine at the Department of Cardiology, University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center. So Wamik, you're welcome. Let's start off by asking, what exactly is congestive heart failure? Thank you. First of all, I would like to thank uh, BMJ and uh, you and everybody else uh, for inviting me for this podcast. Uh, heart failure is a, is a very complex uh, clinical syndrome that results from any structural or functional impairment of ventricular filling or ejection of blood. Uh, Generally, we use the term heart failure because some patients may have decreased exercise tolerance but little evidence of fluid retention, where others primarily may complain of leg edema, dyspnea, fatigue, and may have some symptoms and signs of volume overload. And these are patients which we typically call as having congestive heart failure. Uh, primarily by congestive heart failure, I mean the uh, patients who have um, symptoms and some um, retention of uh, water and sodium with edema and pulmonary congestion. Okay, thank you. And how do you make the diagnosis? A diagnosis is, is primarily uh, it's, it's, it's a clinical diagnosis. Uh, it's based on um, clinical presentation, uh, physical exam, and supported by some um, ancillary tests, um, of which uh, uh, primarily uh, two are very important. One of them uh, is an echocardiogram, which essentially tells you about the function and the structure of the heart. Uh, uh, Some of these patients may have um, normal LV systolic function, normal ejection fraction. Some of them may have um, depressed LV systolic function. Uh, we always uh, get a 12-lead ECG, which is almost always um, has some sort of abnormality in patients with heart failure. Uh, maybe it's just mild. Uh, chest X-ray probably will show some pulmonary congestion and effusion. Amongst the biomarkers, uh, B-type uh, uh, natriuretic peptide is very, very helpful, essentially in patients who come to the casualty or the emergency department uh, with shortness of breath, uh, for the diagnosis. So let me summarize it again. Primarily a clinical diagnosis supported by some um, ancillary tests of which uh, ECG, chest X-ray, echocardiogram, and a B-type natriuretic peptide level, primarily for diagnosis of heart failure. Great, thank you. And I wonder, have there been recent advances in diagnosis? Uh, The recent advances uh, uh, that I, I can think of are the biomarkers, uh, the physical exam, 
clinical evaluation, chest X-ray, and echocardiogram has been there. The biomarkers are, are very useful, and of, uh, of the biomarkers, one that really is used almost always in these cases would be B-type nitratic peptide, uh, and elevated levels of depending on on uh, the hospital institution where you work in. Uh, and markedly elevated level will tell you that patients have congestive heart failure. A very low level in appropriate clinical circumstances will tell you that patients may not have. Now, you have to be mindful of the fact that B-type nitric peptide may be elevated in conditions other than heart failure, primarily infection, sepsis, um, maybe even low in somebody who has just come in with acute pulmonary edema or constrictive pericarditis. So that is where it is very helpful. Uh, the other modalities which are helpful in uh, not diagnosing heart failure but picking up uh, the causes of heart failure would be uh, evaluation by CT coronary, which is a non-invasive way of looking at uh, uh, coronary arteries, cardiac MRI, which is particularly very useful uh, in the in the diagnosis of uh, infiltrative diseases and uh, myocarditis. Uh, there are some biomarkers which will tell you about fibrosis like so soluble S2 and galactin, but they're not useful for the diagnostic purposes. Some investigational things in patients who have stress cardiomyopathy um, is myocardial perfusion and sympathetic nerve innervation that can be assessed by SPECT and MIBG, but that is all very specialized uh, sort of investigation. So let me summarize it. Um, for recent advances would be BNP level, B-type nitric peptide, uh, use of cardiac imaging, particularly CT coronary and cardiac MRI would be the two, three things that really stands out. Okay, great. Thank you. And what are the common pitfalls in diagnosis, would you say? The common pitfall that a clinician usually faces um, is that some of the elderly people who may have underlying pneumonia infection and may not have overt signs of infection. Uh, it's very hard to differentiate these people, and that is where um, I think uh, clinical acumen and diagnosis is very helpful. Um, uh, secondly, patients who are uh, in the intensive care unit or ventilated um, have um, other reason for um, lung infiltrates, like ARDS, underlying infection. Uh, th these are all patients very difficult uh, to really discern as to how, who has actually has congestive heart failure and who has some other reason for these uh, chest X-ray findings. Similarly, uh, missing underlying precipitating factor in somebody who just might not have chest pain and have underlying ischemia. Some of them really may have underlying myocarditis uh, to present uh, uh, with symptoms and signs of heart failure. Uh, these are common uh, things that we face uh, as clinicians. And the things that really stand out uh, as a clinician to me are patients who are intubated, ventilated in the intensive care unit and elderly people who may have underlying infection and pneumonia. Okay, thank you. That's, that's really helpful. Let's move on to management now. What would you say is the mainstay of management of this disorder? Um, I, would, I would summarize this in two or three things. Uh, what, the most important thing for patients with heart failure, by far the most important thing, 
is symptomatic improvement for which diuretics and of the neurohormonal agents can be used primarily diuretic is very good for symptomatic improvement number 2 would be to improve the quality of life and functional capacity and number 3 would be to prolong life in these patients for symptomatic improvement as i mentioned diuretics are very good in addition to neurohormonal agents that we almost always use in these patients similarly for improvement of quality and functional of life diuretics are important in addition to the neurohormonal agents and prolonging of life the only agent that really works and prolong life are the neurohormonal agents which would be beta blockers angiotensin receptor blockers uh, ace inhibitors and now would be an arni which is an angiotensin receptor and epresilin inhibitor four that comes to the mind plus spironolactone and then um, vasodilators like um, hydrolyzine and nitrates so there are a lot of agents you can use uh, in these patients uh, to improve quality of life and uh, also prolong life the mainstay the mainstay of management the mainstay of management long term are the neurohormonal agents heart failure is a basically a continuum you know we divide this and we have we divide heart failure into a b c and d a are those patients who at high risk of developing developing heart failure but they don't have any structural heart disease for instance patients with diabetes those who have hypertension those who have atherosclerotic disease they don't have any symptoms in these patients it's very important very important to have healthy lifestyle prevent vascular disease um, and use drugs in appropriate um, patients accordingly like ace inhibitors so in those who have diabetes control of blood pressure and those who have hypertension similarly for stage b exactly the same thing stage c symptomatic stage d is advanced heart failure therapy and i've summarized how neurohormonal agents are very important uh, in the mainstay of uh, therapy throughout the spectrum of um, heart failure okay thank you thank you that's that's really helpful well, let's move on to pitfalls now in 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 management what would you say would be the common pitfalls in in standard management of disease the treatment part is easy you know patient comes in they have heart failure you treat them with adequate therapy and all those medications that i'm to i've talked to you about are primarily for patients who have reduced lv systolic function the data for patients who have a heart failure with preserved lv systolic function is not out there in terms of mortality reduction with most of these agents that we have just discussed Uh, the common pitfall would be failure to identify some of the precipitating factors uh, that may be treatable for example ischemic heart disease significant valvular disease uh, failure to identify concomitant conditions that may be uh, precipitating heart failure like pulmonary embolism pneumonia uh, inadequate uh, heart rate control in patients with heart failure um, treatment of hypertension during treatment uh, commonly or some of the pitfalls the failure to recognize signs of volume overload overdiuresis also clinically i've seen that some patients who are started on ace inhibitors or any compounds 
or angiotensin receptor blocker. They have slight increase in the creatinine, and that ref the reflex that happens with this foclation would be to stop these compounds. Uh, a lot of times, uh, this basically shows a response to therapy as well. And uh, in these cases, you have to be very judicious. You might just want to stop the diuretics or cut on the, on the diuretics and continue neurohormonal agents. Then overdiuresis, just primarily based on value of a B-type nitric peptide, which may be elevated in these patients prim primarily because of uh, some other reason. For instance, infection, sepsis, pneumonia, which is very common in patients who are in the intensive care unit. Lastly, inadequate dosing of uh, guideline-directed medical therapy. It's very common. And the uh, uh, data has shown that these patients drive maximum benefit by the dose that has been used in the trials, primarily of beta block and also of ACE inhibitor therapy. And the uh, spironolactone or uh, mineral corticoid, when they added, it's very important to check the electrolytes and watch for potassium and hyperkalemia. These are some of the common pitfalls that I can think of. And um, lastly, early discharge in patients who have not been adequately diagnosed because they will be readmitted. Then lack of support and education. Lack of education is one of the very common reasons why some of these patients will go home, will have dietary indiscretion with salt, steak, food, and will be, will be readmitted. Uh, then the failure to refer these patients to center of excellence and advanced heart failure therapy. And these are patients who are stage D heart failure. Also failure to identify those patients who will benefit from CRT, which is cardiac resynchronization therapy and defibrillators. Okay, thank you, Wamik. That's really helpful. Last question. Is there anything else that you commonly get asked about heart failure, or have we touched on the main things that you do get asked about? Anything else we've missed, do you think? I think primarily we have covered everything, and I would like to summarize, um, you know, essentially that diagnosis is primarily clinical, based uh, on um, symptoms, physical exam, with some ancillary testing like chest X-ray, B-type peptide, echocardiogram, and imaging modality like cardiac CMR, maybe stress test, or CT coronary to evaluate for ischemia. Treatment is primarily based on symptomatic relief and uh, aimed to prolong life with neurohormonal agents. Uh, appropriate referral of these patients uh, for um, devices, in particular, those who have low EF, bundle branch block for cardiac resynchronization therapy, those who have uh, very low LV systolic function for AICD devices. And some of the questions that patients uh, sometimes ask me, when I give them a diagnosis uh, or somebody else tells them, you have heart failure, they get very nervous. The terminology heart failure is, uh, is I personally think, is not very appropriate. Uh, I wouldn't say not very appropriate, but um, should be used uh, cautiously in these patients because the moment you say heart failure, they get very nervous, understandably, and very anxious. And they often ask me, am I going to die? Uh, is it going to progress? Uh, you know, is there anything that will make my heart stronger? Uh, other thing that these patients frequently ask me is about the finances and how much is going to cost them. 
And lastly, some patients are worried about the family members having the same condition if they need to be tested. So these are common things that patients ask me often. Okay. Thank you very much, Mamik. That's really helpful. And thanks to you all for listening. We, we hope that you'll be able to put what you've learned into action to better diagnose and manage affected patients. If you want to find out more, click the link in the podcast to sign into BMJ Best Practice and have a look at the content on this and other relevant diseases. Thank you once again. <laughs>